0: Today I interviewed my bagpipe teacher, something non I wanted to switch it up, and if you don't know what bagpipes are, they're a Scottish instrument with three drones connected to a bag, which has a, how do I put it, a loud, a high-pitched flute. Uh, I'll play something for you right now. So you get the idea. This was a really fun thing to do. And I'd like you to hear what all happened. Aye, right, it is working. Do you awesome. Want to, do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Uh, hi, I'm Ben Peterson. I'm a bagpipe teacher.
0: Alright. What do you like about bagpipes?
1: I, I find it to be a really unique and challenging instrument Um, as far as as far as instruments go there are few like it Uh, it obviously fits into a really special category of instrument but also a really specific category of music being largely celtic folk music based though in recent years it's been you know, broadened outside of that space a little bit too, which is really neat. It's also um, something that has pushed me a lot as an individual and and changed me. So I I really like how hard it is, if that makes sense, how challenging of an instrument it is.
0: Yeah, how has it changed you as an individual?
1: I think that it's made me understand that most things in life are, are a little bit tough and most things that are worth doing will, will be a challenge to you. And because I started playing when I was so young, um, it was, it was, it was hard, maybe even harder than it would be if you were a little bit older when you were picking it up, because physically I wasn't even large enough to hold the instrument particularly while well, being only nine. Um, so it has instilled in me, uh, a sense of needing to push beyond the comfort zone when it comes to accomplishing things.
0: Yeah, you say you started when you were nine?
1: Yeah, I started when I was nine.
0: So what introduced bagpipes into your life?
1: That's a good question. I don't really know. Um, As long as I can remember, I wanted to play bagpipes, and I wish that I knew the reason why. Um, my, my parents tell me that I was four or five when I first brought it up. And I'm sure that my parents listened to some bagpipe music, so, music along the way somewhere because my mom in particular has always really liked the instrument. Uh, she tells me that she listened to some bagpipe music when she was pregnant with me. And so our prevailing theory is that that might be why I like it so much because she used to listen to it. And so I would have heard it at that point.
0: That's Um,
1: pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. And it's really interesting because it is, it is, um, it is a sound that I find a really deep connection to. So I think if you, you know, look into the science of all that, there's, there's probably some amount of truth to that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but I do remember uh, after pestering my parents for a while that I wanted to play that we we found a, a local um, dance school a Scottish dance school and had reached out to them to, to ask them if they knew of any bagpiping instructors in the area mm-hmm. and uh, they said well sure we do uh, also there's a, a Highland Games that's like two weekends you guys should come out to that and i remember very very well going to that event Uh, and a highland games is it's just it's a traditional scottish gathering uh, and something that you'll find in scotland but also here uh, as a like manifestation of scottish culture where there are different different kinds of events lots of different competitions and Uh, and shops and things like that that you can you can go to Uh, but they're known for having the the scottish heavy uh heavy games which is where people are like tossing the caber and uh, throwing hammers and stuff like that but they'll also have scottish dance competitions and bagpipe competitions so one of the first times in my life that i was in the presence of bagpipers for real you know, not just seeing it on TV or, or hearing it on the radio or whatnot, was when uh, was when we went to that Scottish Games, or oh, Highland so, cool. Games. So it was really cool.
0: So, and you've told me this before. You have a really interesting way on how you learned bagpipes.
1: Well, so I started with the teacher that um, that that dance school introduced us to, and. and I was I was with him for a couple of months before he passed me along to another gentleman that uh, that was in the band that he was in, um, and I don't really know why that happened, um, but I moved to the to the new instructor and uh, that man's name was Jim and Jim was a really special guy. Um, he was a really good teacher when it came to working with kids he was very patient uh and mm-hmm. you know recognized that that i would think about things differently than an adult would you know so he tried to connect and, and help me to to understand what i was trying to do uh, being so young and i i remember i remember him fondly to this day and appreciate the time and effort that he put in um I was only able to work with him for about a year before my family moved and I had to go to a new teacher because at that time the technology wasn't there to learn from somebody who lived in another place. So if you moved, you found a new teacher wherever you moved to, right? Um, anymore, that's a different story. Uh, as, as we've talked about Jonathan, I guess for some reason, you know, we were in different places. You and I could keep working together. Right. So, uh, cause we, technology is there for it. Zoom and Skype and all sorts of different uh, video-based conferencing tools allow teaching to happen no matter where you are. There's a lot of people that that take lessons from great pipers in Scotland uh, that live in Portland, Oregon, because they can do that now. Um, But I moved moved to a new teacher, and uh, ultimately was only there for about a year and a half before my family moved to Minnesota where we kind of stabilized uh, for a, a while um, and I took lessons uh, at McAllister College up there um, and from the the guy that I probably learned the most from in my formative years his name was Mike um, but I, I ended up running one of the bands at McAllister College when I was in high school a uh, grade 5 band so the lowest tier of competitive bands and A really cool thing that happened that year that I I first took over the band was my instructor, Jim, who was like that first instructor that I had, who was so kind and so patient, moved to Minnesota and reached out to my parents because he knew we were up there, and uh, he ended up playing in my band. So, this guy that got me started um, ended up playing in a band that I ran for a season, which was a really cool experience.
0: Jim was just as
1: often. What's that?
0: So it came full circle?
1: It did, which was really cool. Yeah, that was really cool. Alright.
0: Oh, you said that there was that you were in a grade five band. Can you go in depth on like what all the grades are and stuff like that?
1: Absolutely. So in North America there are there are five competitive levels. Uh, five up to one. And I put it in that way because five is the lowest level. Uh, and in grade one, is the highest level. Um, there are also pipe bands that are non-competitive that wouldn't have a grade of any kind, right? Um, mm-hmm. But most of your grade five bands are, are very entry level. Uh, there's a lot of people that have never competed in those bands um, before joining that band um, and, or are just really interested in, in the maybe more of the social experience of of playing in a pipe band and and occasionally competing for the fun of it. Um, As you move up the grades, things become more and more serious and and intense. Um, And there become fewer and fewer bands the higher up in the grades you go as well. Um, For example, I think that there's just shy of 30 grade one bands in the whole world. Oh, wow. uh, Right now, right? And probably... 40 to 50 grade two bands. Uh, There's probably a fairly sizable jump in the number of bands when you compare uh, grade two to grade three bands. And then a big jump again when you go from grade three to grade four bands. Like there's probably thousands of grade four bands in the world, certainly uh, near to a thousand anyways. Right. Uh, And there's probably a couple hundred grade three bands. You know, maybe maybe 150 at least, right? Uh, but then it, it drops off pretty pretty aggressively as you move up. Um, the folks that play in grade two and grade one bands, though, it's tough to make a living at piping, especially competitive piping. It's essentially impossible these days. Um, the they treat it very seriously, though. Um, it's more than a hobby. It's uh, it's a bit more of a passion or Uh, some might even say an obsession right because you put so much into it that uh, that it takes it takes uh, away from other things uh, for sure you know so outside of the school band where you and I play together um, I run a competitive pipe band that's based out of Michigan and it's a grade 2 band Uh, so I uh, once a month I go I go away from home for the full weekend to, to practice with that band. Um, and when we get together to practice, as we've talked about before, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's a pretty intense day. It's about six, seven hours on Saturday. We're exclusively focusing on, on playing, uh, and about three, three and a half hours on Sunday before we all go home. Um, mm. and I would say that we're a unique grade two band and that we only get together once a month between the, uh, the months of October and May. Whereas most grade two bands would practice once to twice a week in the evenings during the week. So probably putting three to three to six hours of practice in every week. And then once a month, we'll get together for a full weekend as well. Um, so you can see that the amount of commitment that that you would commit to or bring to a band at that level is pretty, pretty high. Right. And that's not uncommon. Um, most bands at the grade three or below level will only get together once a week in the evenings right
0: mm-hmm. <coughs> so what pipe band do you belong to what's the name
1: uh, the name of my pipe band is the greater midwest pipe band um, we are based in michigan like i said in battle creek and we are made up of players from all over the place um, the band started uh, eight or nine years ago now. Let's see, nine years ago now, and the band was made up mostly of players from the Chicago area, mm-hmm. the Milwaukee area, Detroit, and Minneapolis. Uh, so the band was named Greater Midwest because it was comprised of players from the from the Great from the Midwest yeah. United States region as a whole, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So the makeup of the band's membership Is what what named the band And interestingly enough That is how the band continues to function to this day Um, I don't know that we have quite this much representation now But uh, before the COVID pandemic We had members that came from nine different states And two different Canadian provinces Oh, from Canada? To play with the band Yeah Oh, wow Yeah, our our lead drummers actually from from Canada. We've got three uh, three pipers, uh, three pipers and drummers that that travel from Canada to play with the band, and we've got people that drive up to Michigan from Cleveland and Pittsburgh and, and Minneapolis. Uh, we've got a piper that flies up from Dallas, Texas, to play with the band. Um, so it really does draw players in from all over the place.
0: Wow. So, from when you started bagpiping, has the amount of pipers increased or decreased, and why do you think so?
1: That's a really good question, too. Um, and it's a, it's a really important question, uh, because I think that the number of pipers in the United States, and to an extent in Canada, too, so North America, you could say, has certainly decreased. Um, at least the number of people learning, and certainly the number of kids when I was when I was younger and just starting to get into competitive piping, when I was around eleven or so, um, I would say the average pipe band probably had four to four or five young players under the age of eighteen oh, wow. playing in the band. Um, what do you
0: think?
1: It and is some bad? bands had some bands had none, but uh, a lot of bands had even more than that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're seeing somebody under the age of 25 or 30 in a pipe band, uh, is, is kind of bizarre. Right. Mm. Uh, and I think that has to do with the fact that a lot of, a lot of younger players aren't learning now. Um, in Scotland, I would say the trend has probably moved in the other direction. There's a lot more players now than there probably was 20 years ago. Um, but that's because Scotland recognized that there were, there were a, a pretty significant lack of players uh, up and coming um, about 15, 10 to 15 years ago. And what they did to solve that problem was they moved to have a certain percentage of schools in a, in a particular district offer pipes and drums as uh, as a musical elective. Yeah. Um, so it's, Instead of playing in the band, you could choose to play in pipes and drums, or, or maybe a school would have a pipes and drums program and not a band program. Like that would be the musical option, uh, and that changed a lot. But I don't know that we'd have that option here. But you, you know, like you have the unique experience of going to a school with a pipe band. That's yeah. pretty. That's pretty cool.
0: So you said how it was moving the other the other way in Scotland. They I know and I know that they did that to preserve the, the, how do I how should I put this
1: like the art form and the tradition? Yeah. yeah.
0: How long do you think it's going to let, la- do you think it's dying in North America and how long, if so, how long do you think it would last unless like some action is taken?
1: I don't know. Um, I, I would say that when I'm, when I'm feeling pessimistic about it, I would, I would give it about 10 years. Right. Oh wow. Um, but I, I think it's probably much better than that. Um, And I do think that it's necessary for for us to do something about it, you know. So I've felt this way for a long time, that there weren't enough players uh, being taught. And that's, on top of enjoying teaching, that's that's why I teach. And that's why I always will teach, because if it aren't for people that do it, you know, because they just want to make sure that the art form is being passed upon, like myself, then I don't think there would be anybody doing it you know, at all, because there's often not a way to really make a a living at it. You know, I'm fortunate that I, I get to, you know, uh, but that's only because of the school. You know, Mm -hmm. I think, I think I figured, you know, if I was to try to make a go of just teaching like private lessons only, I'd, I'd probably have to manage to squeeze about nine nine or ten lessons in a day, five days a week, to make that happen, right? Mm -hmm. So um, in a time where you have a a lack of interest and people wanting to learn how to play, it would be really hard to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So the people that do teach usually teach outside of their full-time job, um, and a lot of times they're teaching because... They like teaching. They're not even really making money at you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of pipe bands will offer free instruction at their at their practice um, once a week or something like that, right? At least to get somebody started before they say, "All right, so you've been doing this for long enough to get much better." You're going to have to take lessons from somebody. Maybe it's somebody in the band, or you know, they might have somebody that they would recommend people to go to if they're interested in learning more, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but mm-hmm. most people teach because they're passionate about it. So if more people could could be passionate about teaching, I think it would solve the problem. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that there were a lot of things going on culturally when I was younger that made um, Scottish and Celtic uh, culture relevant, right?
0: Appealing. Um, if you, would you say appealing?
1: Yeah, I would say make it made it appealing. Um, for example, it was only when I was a kid and learning to play. It was only a few years after the movie Braveheart came out. Um, so to have a Hollywood blockbuster film that's all about Scottish culture and wearing kilts and um, freedom and stuff like that, and that that made it really uh, entertaining and enticing and appealing. And there was also um, a bit of a cultural phenomenon, uh, an event from Ireland, uh, performance from Ireland called river dance, which had a lot of bagpiping in it. So that was like all over TV and it was a traveling stage performance and people were really, really interested in it. And because of that, I think those two things right there were enough to, to make it a bit more relevant, uh, in American culture and, um, because it was relevant people thought about wanting to do it and there hasn't been anything like that uh really lately you know Mm -hmm. so i think that might be one of the reasons why all right
0: (laughs) any last things you want to say
1: Well, i want to say i really appreciate you asking me to to do this with you and for you know coming up with some really great questions and i want to ask you why do you play bagpipes
0: personally me, I think it's a really cool skill to learn and on top of that, you can't find many people that can do it nowadays so I think it's a really cool thing to learn and it adds a lot later on to your personality and it's just a really cool thing to know
1: I I think we feel very similarly about that and um, I would ask that you tell people about your experience and you know Maybe ask them if they've thought about learning bagpipes because the more people like yourself who tell people about this really cool thing that you do and try to get them involved, the better, right? Yep. Um, I'll give a really quick example. The pipe band that I first competed with, when I got there, I was the only kid. And one day, my instructor said, hey, I got a phone call from this family, and, and I was homeschooled. And he knew that they were doing. and he said, do you want to talk to them? And they, they're interested in trying to find music opportunities. So my parents and myself, we talked to them, we told them about it, and why you know we really appreciated it, especially in, in regards to what it brought to homeschooling mm-hmm. from an educational perspective. And that convinced them to do it. And their two daughters played, and ultimately their little brother played. And they brought about... Seven or eight more kids, ultimately, to the pipe band uh, and to learning bagpiping or drums, because they told people about what they did. So, the best thing that we could do for the arts of bagpiping and, and Scottish drumming is to tell people about it. Okay. And maybe if if all of us tell enough people about it, we could, uh, you know, grow the number of people that are involved, which would be awesome.
0: Alright, so it was great talking to you.
1: It was great talking to you too, Jonathan. I really appreciate it.
0: Alright, thank you so much. See ya.
1: Thank you. I'll see you
0: soon. Yep. If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a nice day.